0: everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern
1: cast episode 441
0: that's right tonight we are talking about the dc pride issue that came out the one shot uh, oversized issue uh featuring an alan scott obsidian story uh, obviously that'll be our focus tonight but before we get into that we wanted to do some feedback that we've uh, been needing to get done
1: We're so far back. I don't remember. I don't remember. Did we actually do Mark's about the good episode as always? I don't know if we actually did that one.
0: I'm pretty sure we did. Didn't you flag the Russell's thing as a way to?
1: I know I flagged Russell's. I just, I think you were probably correct. All right. So let's do, let's do Russell's. This weekend, I was able to listen to the Green Lantern number two podcast. Most of the views expressed mirror my own. I'm not a big fan of the power back blowing up again. I also thought that the assassin had some pretty thorough intel to know that the Guardians would be that the Guardian would be would be placed in the power battery, so he sabotaged the body when he killed the Guardian. I miss Dexter Soy. I enjoyed his work. I will wait and see how the book progresses. Thorne has moved the various Lanterns across space, so it gives him the opportunity to, to tell their stories. I know the focus will be on John, Joe, Teen Lantern, however. I can hope. But we will have to wait and see if they have a story arc in the future. That is, in my opinion, one good thing about the Green Lantern Corps. There will always be stories to tell, if editorial decides to go that route, that is. Three things that prompted this email, Thorne's statement, a future state being over 10 years in the future, does that mean that the current story is present day or in the future as well, at a point shortly before future state? If set in the present, then 10 plus years is a long time to go without a power battery. Two big things happened in this issue, the new structure of the core and the destruction of the battery. Both events, if handled separately, has the potential of several years worth of stories instead as you talked about both events happened in the same issue and the power battery eruption seems to have made the most made the new structure moot dc could have used the digital first tier for a green lantern core run that would have been in my opinion a great place to explore some of the ramifications of the new core if thorn had gone with the restructured core plot line before the battery blowing up i think they could have done a a really cool thing being a fan of the of the legion that makes two of you uh long live the legion i'm considering doing uh legion day-to-day twitter project in 2023 you read it here first i loved what keith giffen and uh beer Bums did in the five years later gap at the back of most issues there was a text piece which helped fill in the blanks hickman over in x-men uses similar text pieces as well it would have been cool to have a text piece in the back of issue two, in which they listed the core members, sector changes, maybe an official page from the book of Oa. Before I depart, if you just decide to read any of this on a podcast, then definitely edit it. We didn't because I've gotten long-winded on, on a couple of podcasts. You referenced deceased Red and Green Lantern members. Their appearances do, doesn't ba- their appearance doesn't bother me because at the end of Death Metal, the statement was made that some of the dead had returned so I believe the various deaths in Green Lantern still occurred. However, some characters were brought back from the dead. Honestly, I'm still waiting for a certain butler in Gotham to return. I hope both of you had a good week and look forward to the next podcast. Keep up the great work, Russell.
0: Awesome. Uh, so I guess we'll take the three things that prompted his email, huh? Because uh, he was, sounds like he was just agreeing with us on the other stuff. Yes. Okay. So Thorne's statement about the uh, future state being over 10 years in the future, he said 14. 14. Uh, um yep. Does that mean that the current story is present day or in the future as well at a point shortly before future state? If set in the present, then 10 years, ten plus years is a long time to go without a power battery. I think that has to do with what Dan was talking about um, in terms of uh, the timeline behind this wall uh, that the Guardians can't see into being different. Um, because the Jeffrey Thorne story... Uh, takes place in, in in both future state issues, takes place with John Stewart and this woman's daughter that he met uh, when he lost his ring. And we can see that a lot of time has progressed just in the issues that we've read already. So I think Dan's theory that time moves differently in this sector of space or or in this, this sort of blackout area that they're in uh, holds true. Uh, so I think... When when you say fourteen years in the future, I think really what we're saying is um, the story that was told in Future State by Jeffrey Thorne about John Stewart takes place uh, in fourteen years of John Stewart's own personal timeline, if we're going with the the time displacement sort of thing.
1: It makes as much sense as anything right now. So let's I, I say I can buy that. Yeah. See,
0: two big things happen is the new structure, the core and the new structure. Okay, Uh, this is another place where I'll have to reference Dan. Uh, Have you watched any of his recent video? Like, do you subscribe to on YouTube? I know that you're not like one of those people who has an account everywhere. So I'm not asking you, do you subscribe to Dan's channel as a way of proving that you're actually
1: interested in what he has to say? Which I do. But no, I have not. I have not watched any of his more recent uh, videos
0: okay so guys uh on dan kursky's youtube channel we talk about it a lot he said it uh, on the times he's been on mosaic comics uh uh there is a as of right now a video that was posted a week ago called what's really going on in green lantern right now and there uh dan posits a theory that i think what you're getting at here russell and number two makes sense like okay the and i don't really want to spoil it for you because dan breaks it down but it's kind of It's kind of hard not to spoil it when I'm going to be giving the main the main gist of it away is it's not the magicians or anybody from uh, that magic world. And it's not anybody involved with the with the uh, the United Planets. It's actually the people who blew up the battery, according to Dan's theory, are the Guardians themselves. They knew what would happen. According to Dan's theory, they knew what would happen as a result of the, the meeting and stuff with the United Planets. And they took advantage of the situation to position all their lanterns as best they could uh, so that they are ideally positioned to deal with whatever threat that they're keeping from the core right now is coming next which makes sense in terms of the kind of shenanigans the guardians have pulled in the past do i do i know if dan's theory is correct or not no but in what you know it could just be dan as a persuasive person but in watching that video it made a lot of sense with what we already know in terms of what we've seen thus far in the series itself as well as the kind of machinations the guardians get up to from time to time
1: i could see that being true i'm not sure if i'm as entirely as convinced of that it would be eventually if the guardians keep doing stuff like this it's going to be really difficult to have anybody work for them and i understand that they kind of like they kind of gave the gave the attitude well we really don't give a rat's ass if you you know if you don't like it you can quit because the service has always been voluntary but at the end of the day, that's real. Not if you have, if you have the your best and your brightest walk away, and your reputation throughout the universe is that oh, you can't trust anything about these guys because that not only will they set you up to take a fall for them, is that they will leave you high and dry at any given moment if they think it's for the greater good. That's really a difficult relationship to, uh, to continue on with or to inspire other people to enter into so there may be some truth in it the guardian is maybe the maybe it's splitting the difference maybe the guardians saw a threat coming and they and their best way of dealing with the threat was from their opinion was making it seem like they didn't they weren't prepared they were caught off balance who knows maybe they'll tie it into some stupid dark side stuff which oh god who knows but yeah we'll see i mean i i that part that part intrigues me more than what's going on and so far in the issues themselves with with John and and Joe and you know who who done it you know who done it and why pretty much is that's that's what interests me at this point about the direction of that book.
0: I'd agree with that. The the stuff about uh, the Legion and adding in back matter material from from Jeffrey Thorne's style of writing, I don't know that that would help anything. It just seems like. I, I think that we I think the the sort of recap page at the beginning of each issue needs to come back more consistently. Sounds like Marvel's been doing it a lot. I know that we it was kind of happening in far sector in some ways the 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 little, you know, kind of <laughs> this this name means something very specific in DC, but whatever, the kind of secret files at the little beginning of the issues kind of helped, you know, while it served like a purpose sometimes, it was also a nice little oh yeah, this is where we are, and back into the action sort of thing. I think those need to come back, but from Jeffrey Thorne's writing style, it seems like hes if he's not telling you something in the comic, uh, straightforward or in a way in which you can kind of deduce, then uh, he plans on telling you later, and there's a reason for it not being revealed now.
1: I agree so, with that.
0: Yeah. By the way, guys, we're recording this on uh, on July 6th, and the reason I want to mention that is because today uh, – Uh, the issue four of Green Lantern came out. So maybe Dan's theory was proven correct. I don't know. Uh, We don't know any of this stuff. Neither Marco nor I have read the issue yet. I have it. I haven't read it yet. Um, So just FYI. Otherwise, thanks, Russell, for doing that, uh, uh, sending in that long email. We really appreciate it. It gives us something to respond to. And it's always nice when we receive feedback. and When it's long like that, we know you guys are putting thought into it. So we appreciate it. Um, The other thing I will say is, Russell, it seems like you really like uh, research. So uh, do something I've wanted to do for a long time, will you, buddy? Um, Go read every issue of Green Lantern from start to finish, starting with – I'll make it easier for you. You don't have to read any of the Golden Age stuff. And just tell us the name of every Lantern who is named in the comics, (laughs) what sector they're from, and when they died. (laughs) That's what I want to know.
1: That's your homework
0: assignment (laughs) A man, The man loves research. I, th- I always thought a list like that would be super helpful, um, you know, just, you know, so that continuity wise, it'd be fun. It, it just seems like when it comes to characters in the DC universe, when they died or even if they're dead does not matter to DC in terms of characters they choose to put in the background in terms of the core. Like for all you know, like you could have Chip back there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and that's like one of the obvious, Oh, that lantern's definitely dead, but I would not put it past DC editorial to be like, Oh yeah, it's just a bunch of lanterns in the background. Who gives a shit which lanterns they are. It just seems like they let that slide a little bit more. And I don't know if only for calling people out on it. I just think it'd be cool to have a list of, cause there's, it's it, even try Googling it guys. It, the, you get the sense that the lists you can find of lanterns outside of, you know, the earth lanterns that we already know and more common lanterns, like, chip or Jacky chance or Kilowog or whatever that we don't really have a sense of the other alien lanterns we don't have a, a full list of names what sector they're from so on and so forth there's there's a couple of ones that feel like they could be relatively comprehensive but it always feels like we're missing something and uh, it's it's a, it's one of those like random projects i've wanted to do for a long time but i just there's and i don't have the time <laughs> i don't have the time to do that uh but you know whatever um that's neither here nor there um yeah get, get to work on that russell thank you
1: <laughs> all right what's next well we know we're doing well in slovenia that's good oh yeah yeah that's right thank you and, carlos and thank you carlos as one, one of our lifetime goals has been achieved finally <laughs> yes oh yeah maybe we should mention
0: this uh so guys if you are listening to us over on spotify there might be a couple of episodes that you're not finding out there um, because we have been getting copyright uh, thing, co- content takedown claims. Not a lot of them. I think, what, two so far? I think it's two. Because as you know, guys, uh, copyright law, when it comes to like YouTube videos, Twitch channels, podcasts, uh, a lot of those companies have cracked down really hard. There's, there, there's uh, also like... Um, they, there's bots that you they can set loose in various feeds that kind of quote-unquote listen to various things. Uh, I'd explain the technology, but it's a little beyond me myself. The, the, the best thing I can describe is this bot sort of quote-unquote listens to an audio file by reading the wavelengths of the MP3 file. And if the MP3 uh, wavelengths match a copyrighted song then it triggers a, uh, a more thorough investigation and therefore then a takedown. That's at least my understanding of it. Um, so I, I think the Venom episode, when we talked about the Venom movie is out, is down over there as well as the um, threshold episode. Uh, I don't know if there's much we can do about it short of re-editing those, po- those podcast episodes and posting them again which is more trouble really than it's worth. Uh, if it becomes a more intense problem, lots of stuff gets taken down, then obviously we're going to have to relook. But um, it uh, all, all it would probably do is just change our uh, our process of using things that could potentially be copywritten so, in the future. But I just figured I'd mention it because I know some people out there are like, I want to find every episode of this podcast. Uh, So if you're a Spotify listener, you might be missing out just on two. And they're what? Those are at least 100 episodes ago or something.
1: Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah.
0: So not really the big deal in the long run, but figured we'd let you guys know. I guess the only other thing we have is the the text message.
1: Yes, which I will try to translate because obviously it's not as bad as translating voice messages, but... If we can, ju- it could have been a legitimate typo. I mean, depending how how they process text messages. But either way, it says, "Hey, Lantern Cast, first time viewing at the start of Thorne's new run. Just wanted to give a few takes from my side of things. Being absent from so much of the recent GL stories, I read the entire John's run a couple of months ago and fell in love with the whole world. I then started Death Metal and the Infinite Frontier stuff, so decided to try what they were doing with Green Lantern after hearing not great things overall from the Morrison run." I've been very happy basically because I feel like I haven't missed too much at all besides Teen Lantern and the whole United Planets and stuff. I feel like it was a great jumping on point. Anyways, I'm happy I found you guys as I've been looking for a podcast just like this. been going back through all new episodes, which has been fun as well. Good work, guys, and sorry for the long message, which was not long. So you're very welcome.
0: Uh, Yeah, thank you, whoever that was. You didn't sign it, and all we see on our end is your phone number, so... We won't read that out on the air. Um, you know, just kidding. It's nine zero five. But no, uh, seriously, thank you for that. This is uh, the first text message feedback we've gotten, right? I believe that is correct. Awesome. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I I have to agree with them. I feel like the Green Lantern, the new Green Lantern run is a good jumping on point for people. I mean, that's probably due to it being so heavily tied in with infinite frontier in terms of, you know, the whole infinite frontier line is meant and designed to kind of be a jumping on point as well. Uh, Maybe not as hardcore as say like a new 52 sort of thing was, but I I feel like that's sort of one of the tenets of starting these infinite frontier books is they be good jumping on points, but at the same time, that's, it's kind of the goal of really any first issue of, of, of a new run, right? It should be a good jumping on point.
1: True. How do you feel about it? I think I think objectively, it probably is a good jumping on point. I mean, it's certainly as it th- was mentioned that if you have not been were not reading the Morrison run, that the reality is you don't really need to know anything that happened in the Morrison run to begin to to jump into the story. Uh, we know that they did try to purposely t- do a transition from Morrison's run to Thorne. Uh, to just to make everybody make it clear to everyone that it was in continuity that which a lot of people said suspected it might not be that it was a, kind of its own thing. But I think I think it could be somewhat confusing if you're not reading all the stuff, if you're not reading anything else in D.C. and you don't care about the Legion stuff and all the uh, United Planets. I think it could still be somewhat rough around the edges, but as far as understanding where the Green Lantern Corps is, and going forward and things like uh, uh, from that perspective, I do think it's probably regardless of whether you like the direction it's going in. It's a, it's a separate issue. It is an easy jumping on point for somebody who has been out of Green Lantern for a while. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right. Was there anything else? Facebook or Twitter? I don't think I don't think so.
1: Off the top of my head, I want to say no.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right. So moving on to the D.C. Pride issue, how we want to tackle this one.
1: What do you mean? How do you want to tackle this one? We're doing, we're doing the Alan Scott story. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. Go for it.
0: Okay. So the Alan Scott story, I'm just flipping to it now. Uh, Oops. And there it is. All right. I'm just, uh, this is written by uh, Sam Johns, who did the script. Klaus Jansen, who did the pencils and the inks. Uh, Dave McCaig is the colorist. Tom Napolitano uh, is the letterer, and uh, Amido or Amadeo Torturo did the edits. Um, so basically, this is a story wherein uh, Obsidian and his his uh, boyfriend Damon are out for lunch and uh, obsidian is uh, just uh, why did i why am i forgetting his real name What's obsidian's real name todd todd that's right okay todd uh so uh damon and todd are out uh, having lunch and they're about to meet uh alan uh and you know todd being uh, sort of disconnected from alan obviously given uh their history is kind of not really looking forward to the situation it's going to be kind of an awkward small talk sort of a thing. Alan is looking forward to meeting his son's boyfriend. Uh, Alan is, you know, kind of remembering his own history uh, with uh, Jimmy um, and uh, the day that the train crashed and he found the power battery. Uh, He joins them uh, while Damon goes in to pay the bill. Alan and Todd start talking. Alan is having some trouble getting, you know, getting to his point. So Todd stands up. And takes him to one of the back rooms, which is more of a social room uh, meant for special events. Uh, And Todd says it's mostly just uh, for drag bingo. So when they go in there, uh, Todd transforms into Obsidian and says, hey, use the ring and and show me. Instead, you're you're trying to explain something. Alan uses the ring to introduce Jimmy to Obsidian Uh, And, you know, kind of tell the story a little more talks a bit about uh, this, uh, this lunch, this lunch place slash bar uh, that they have met at, and how back in the day it, you know, kind of, it was the same thing, but because of the stigma uh, of homosexuality and stuff. Uh, It was more clandestine. You know, you hope to catch somebody's eye and they follow you out the door sort of a thing. It wasn't really overt or anything like that. Alan then reveals that he's been keeping tabs on Todd uh, and that he doesn't know if he got his life together. And that's what gave Todd the confidence to come out or if coming out meant it made all the other little things weighing you down just that much easier to handle. All I knew was uh, I wanted that feeling. I needed something I hadn't known was missing. Uh, when Jimmy died, I had to go at that alone. Now I see maybe I didn't have to, but at the time I did what I thought I needed to survive. Uh, you're the reason I came out. Um, uh, he ends his little construct slideshow and, uh, promises that he's going to make a better effort to be a better father. Uh, and, uh, he, Todd says that sounds great, but, uh, you know, let's just start with a hug, why don't we? And Alan asks if there's a back door because he might—he uh, wants to give his old route a spin as he flies up into the air. Um, in Gotham, right? Did they actually say they were in Gotham? It would have to be.
1: I believe they did. Um. Yeah,
0: that was Alan's old hunting grounds. So. Yes. I'm All good. right. Uh, what do you think, man?
1: Well, now. This story is really interesting from the perspective if somebody gave you this, if you didn't know where the story was going to come out in, no pun intended, where this book was going to be published in. And you just gave you the story to read about Alan Scott, even if you already knew Alan Scott, you know, that they decided the mandate has been set in stone now that Alan Scott's like gay everywhere. That's still, you know, this story could be viewed as with in that vein. It could be viewed as really over the top. As far as using using your term that I will let you define, as we will talk more about Alan Scott, that that it could be very easily perceived as where they were going with this was like I'll put the emphasis. The emphasis will be mine, but I believe you know you, you used the term that that if they go they're going along the the route of uh, like Alan Scott all gay all the time. That it did seem like you know if you just viewed it in that con- without context of where the story was going to come out in, it's like. That, oh, my God, it's like, you know, they have to constantly remind you in this story over and over again about it, which which follows up on so far what we've seen in Infinite Frontier Zero, which was about Alan Scott gay. And even in even the what the little the reference point in Infinite Frontier one, because I did read that that once again, you can't have so far seemingly you can't have an Alan Scott appearance without them referencing the fact that he's gay. So just going just focusing in on the story again that in the context of the book that is that it was being published in it makes sense now are all the stories in this book so so obvious in your face just about like the only story they have the only thing they have to tell a talk about worthwhile about the characters is their sexual proclivity or whatever no there are some stories i think i, I think there are some stories in this book that actually are relatively subtle and they, they're more like just general statements about relationships and how people treat other people, which you would think would be more of the focus. And there's others, which makes more the big picture. You think that would be what people would care about. You want everybody to be equal and be treated equal. And I'm the same as you just because who I'm interested in shouldn't change that. You would think that's those are the kind of stories you we'd, we'd want more of as opposed to the other stories in this book. But there's a lot of innuendo and, and cracks and and things like that, that like the question story and even the constant st- Teen story I think falls into that mode too with the vampire and things like that. but so I some subtlety could work and if they continue to go down this road with Alan Scott that they can't tell an Alan Scott story without talking about his sexuality that then it be, then it almost becomes tokenizing. And it becomes the it, it seems like it's it's it goes it goes against, again, the point that you're trying to get, because you're basically saying, well, the only thing we find fascinating or interesting about Alan Scott worth talking about is sexuality, not who he is as a person, because your sexuality is only part of who you are as a person. I understand some people it's more, especially if you're in if you're like an activist and things like that, then you're then I can I can see that. But for many people, I'd say the majority of people, it's a part of who you are. There's lots of other things. That's why you can have people. That's why you can have people that have different That on the surface because of how they who they are and what they stand for. on a certain issue, they can vote in a different completely different direction because, oh, well, yeah. And this issue I disagree with. But nine out of 10. on the other issues I agree with the other side. So that's why I voted, because it's not just one thing for me that some people don't get that because it's all one thing and people are not monolithic. So if that's the only thing they find interesting about Alan Scott and so far that's all we've seen them talk about with Alan Scott, everything is, you know, they can't have Alan Scott in the story without referencing him being gay or coming out. That's, I think that's going to get old for people, even people that were either neutral about this or generally in favor of either Alan Scott being gay or just a mainstream, especially a golden age character, you know, being, you know, modernized, if you will, that I think that it would turn a lot of people off, regardless of what your own sexuality is, because they will make it clear that they don't care about Alan Scott as a character or a hero or a man. It's like gay. Alan Scott. Gay. Did we mention that he's gay? Yeah. gay. But in the context of this book, it does fit. I understand it. If this was not in this book, it would be, I think, a harder sell and it would be hard not to look at the, you know, the beating you over the head with it over and over again. But it's you know it's okay as as much as the story did seem a little over the top it still can't be as bad as that the Tynan quote about the uh, I love I love them with all of my mind that garbage I mean that's good that has to rank up there as one of the worst worst quotes I've ever read in a comic book so I don't so not, it's, it's almost hard to tell a, sc- a story with Alan Scott that's going to make me more aggravated <laughs> than, than that because of that quote but I just hope they don't this for for multiple reasons. I just think it will defeat their ultimate purpose. If their purpose is to want people to be accepting of other people, they're different, you know, we have our differences, but you know, at the end, we're all the same people. But if all you, all you talk about is the differences all the time, then that doesn't really seem to jibe with that, or it can not jibe with that. That's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I I get what you mean. Yeah. Outside of the context of the book in which it was published in, I would definitely say it'd be something problematic that we'd be seeing, uh, you know, kind of a trend here uh, of this is all they're going to tell with Alan. I think, you know, obviously we're going to be getting Infinite Frontier, the series proper moving forward. And, uh, you know, that's however many issues that's supposed to be. Uh, And, you know, the last time we we ourselves saw them, uh, Jade had disappeared. Um. So I think, which we still need to cover. I think, right?
1: But Infinite Frontier? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh. So I, I'm just sorry. I'm 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 trying. It's, it's sometimes hard for me to distinguish what I've read versus what I've talked about. <laughs> um. So okay. Yeah. It's just uh uh because his you know it's it's not much of a spoiler, but because his daughter's gone uh there's obviously more stuff to focus on here uh in terms of a more regular series for us to focus in on him um i don't think this is the last we'll get of it because i think he's a little different in terms of some of the other characters i think obviously people like renee montoya or batwoman are a little more or harley and ivy are a little more prominent in that regard alan is a legacy character so it means something a little different they've uh, I mean, the, the the change to his to his sexuality or whatever is is almost not even a change. It's just like a, a retcon. You know, we he was living in secret sort of a thing. Um, so I I think because of the circumstances being a little bit different, well, this isn't the end of it. But, you know, they've you know, they've got a whole series to to really flesh him out uh, outside of his sexuality. So uh, I guess it's just kind of boils down to uh, it remains to be seen. Um, but as for the issue, it's uh, the, the story itself. I, I enjoyed it. Klaus Jansen isn't really my cup of tea, um, but I do like uh, the choice to use him here on this specific story because we're getting some uh, Alan Scott flashback. And then of course it's just Alan Scott in general, but there's a lot of like flashback related scenes, which are obviously supposed to give you a sense of more old time, uh, old-time styles and uh, dress and and so on and so forth. And Klaus Jansen's sort of um, boxy, square-jawed-type style here is really reminiscent of the style that the Golden Age stuff was drawn in. So it kind of helps capture that while still being a relatively modern story. I don't know if it was Klaus, because it says pencils and inks, or if it was Dave McC- McCaig, uh, the colorist, who did this. But did you notice all the pointillism in this? So much pointillism. Yeah, that is true,
1: actually. Um, I haven't
0: seen pointillism used so heavily uh, in something before. And that also really serves that Golden Age sort of thing, because pointillism was really used quite a lot in the Golden and Early Silver Age. So... That's cool. And what was also interesting to me about this is, so Alan, you know, it's it's canon. Alan's gay. Great. Uh, I, that and he had trouble coming out, and he grew up in this era where it was, you know, all but illegal, uh, or including illegal. And it turns out, and some of the stuff he's saying here, it sounds like. But it's like it's this interesting mesh because although his although his sexuality and he's owning the fact that he's gay now, he still has these old world mentalities and stuff. So he's sort of talking about things in a way that could be offensive um, or could be interpreted as offensive just because he grew up in that era where things as, where things were not as defined. So that was just the only way that he knew how to talk about them though. Specifically here, I'm pointing out to, where does he say it here? Okay, here we go. You see, prohibition had only just been lifted, but it was still illegal to serve patrons of uh, certain uh, intrigue. Unsurprisingly, because of that, most bars like this didn't have their liquor license. That's how they did it. They claimed we had corrupted moral fiber and they made us criminals to prove it. For a young man making his name injustice, getting political felt too risky. To which Todd responds, getting political, you mean existing? So, The way the way Alan kind of copes with things, defines things, kind of sets them up in their own context from the age in which he grew up in. He's obviously not intending to be offensive in any way because that's that's who he is. But using kind of scapegoat phrases like getting political uh, just to describe, you know, living out your sexuality. uh, That's that's really interesting that they chose to do that because it would be very easy to just be like, Okay, this character has now come out they their gay and, you know, all of a sudden they're like 100% woke, you know, they're really owning that lifestyle and, and the, 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 the way in which they choose to embrace it, and they make no mistakes whatsoever. But it's really interesting when you take into account how old Alan is, and the era in which he grew up so his perspective on it. Being recently out of the closet, but also growing up in that era and learning how to define his, his sexuality within those specific terminologies, that's an interesting line, I think, to walk if you're going to tell stories a, that are focused around his sexuality. Because obviously, if they're, you know, as you mentioned, his sexuality is a part of who he is, but not all of who he is. So I wouldn't expect to never see any more stories about his sexuality. So I would think, in a in those times when we come back to telling stories about his sexuality or it's brought up, that dichotomy, that that very interesting line that only Alan Scott can walk in terms of because he's been around since World War II, right? His the 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 way age has impacted him is different from a lot of other people. He has this very unique advantage of being what I said, he's recently out, but also of an era that defines things a certain way. So how do those thing two things fight against each other?
1: That is true. If they if they do something along those lines, that again would be that'd be using the change in Alan Scott to to talk about talk about the issue from a from a well it could be viewed subtly too, but it but it, it, it's it's not it's dealing with bigger picture aspects of what's going on, but not but again doing it in a more let's say intellectual way as opposed to just, you know, constantly just having Alan Scott out on the town. I don't, you know, things like that. I, I mean, obviously there, we know, we knew that they wouldn't do this with this character if they weren't planning on telling stories, in, including that aspect into his life and, and how they chronicle his life. Yeah. But the issue, but the diff, but like, like you said, like I said, the difference is if that's all they're going to talk about, because then it becomes, well, clearly, it's like, could you look at you look at the choices, like the Al I mean, in this issue, yeah, you knew you were gonna get a story like this. It could have been. Ha- I mean, again, depending on one's perspective, it could have been. Even like the, I think even the Harley and Poison Ivy story was a, a, a more subtle story. You can make a case even the Batwoman story was more subtle than what they did with Alan. And you know, and if you were mm-hmm. the, splitting the stories up in this book between like subtle and non-subtle, but that. If you're going to, you look at Infinite Frontier, Infinite Frontier didn't have to be about zero, did not have to be about Alan coming out. I mean, really, that's kind of an odd choice based on what's going on. in the. really, we're talking about big, the big picture universe things that they're trying to present. I know it's about choices and different, which and, is and, ultimately, ironically, it's ultimately ironic because of the fact that, yes, you're supposed to have infinite possibilities, except from the mandated from editorial that Alan Scott has to be gay now everywhere. So there really aren't infinite possibilities with Alan Scott, but they chose to tell that story in that issue. It's not like the story was about sexuality, moving the Dinah and Ollie thing in bed aside that that's not what the book was about. They chose to tell that. To, you know, that was the story they chose to tell. So it may again, it makes you wonder like, well, if somebody if somebody which we know right now wouldn't be the case in D.C. But if somebody said we really don't think that's the kind of story you should tell in this issue. Is the major league is jumping on point for where we're going next? Not that we're against that story. You can tell that story. We just don't think that's the Alan Scott. That that shouldn't be the you know the crux of the Alan Scott story. We're gonna in this issue makes sure, you wonder if they would have been an Alan Scott story even in that issue. If, mm-hmm. if 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 they said oh you can include Alan Scott and maybe even allude to it, but don't we don't want that to be the crux of the story because that's not the time and place for that. Makes sure, you wonder if they even would touch. Makes you wonder, in general, if they would be touching Alan Scott if, 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 if they didn't have that go to thing now with him that justifies telling stories with him. And I guess that's one of the that's one of my concerns, because if that's we'll find that out. If every single Alan Scott story is mostly about or exclusively about his sexuality, then that almost tells you right there. They're not interested in telling Alan Scott stories They're interested in telling gay stories alan scott stories mm-hmm. using him as a mouthpiece to tell stories that certain writers want to tell which is fine if that but again you didn't need to have alan scott be the character for that if make a new character um because it's not really proving the point like I've, it's like be, it's, i don't want to beat a you know, dead horse it's not it's not really showing much about diversity and acceptance if if you if you yourself can only con say the only thing we the only thing interesting about this character we have to say is gay his sexuality which again one part of who he is not all of who he is Hmm. but we'll see all right but it does but, but it does but it did but it did concern me because of so far the tra- the limited sample size isn't good so far based on where they want to go with or where they seem to be going with alan scott yeah uh, how do you feel about the rest of the pride stories I thought for the most part. I mean, I liked the book overall. Like I said, the uh, the Constantine story. There was a lot of over the top stuff there with the, with the comments and. I really just have no interest in those characters. I
0: mean, I, I don't Constantine, either. Constantine, yeah, but the the other characters that it was focusing on, I just historically, I don't really care.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't have much background either. I mean, Constantine was the only one I cared about too but i just i just thought some of the humor and even and even the stuff with montoya i thought with the uh the you know with the comments with the guy she was fighting it's like that just seemed a little over the top again but i like the harley story i like the batwoman story um i think looking at most Trying to look at the ones who I like, you know, the stories that I, I mean, the Dreamer story was fine. I, the Aqualad story was interesting, but see, in a way that, in a way that was pretty cool from the perspective that, in a way, that's the way it's, it's subtle but not subtle. I mean, obviously they're at, a, they're at, are the parade, so that's right, in, right in your face, which is fine. But the fact that, you know, that again, this is one aspect of who everybody is, but then, you know, that the threat, the threat shows up and everybody switches into their hero gear and does mm-hmm. what needs to be done to do, you know, to deal with the threat. I thought overall it was good, and I just think that I thought the stories that that were more subtle appealed to me more, and the Alan Scott story was, it was not, I don't think it certainly was not the story I liked the least in this book, but it was certainly one of those lessons, it was not, it arguably is the least subtle story of all of them, because it's just constant, constant reminders over and over again, that did we tell you he's gay? Did you forget that he's gay? Make sure you remind people that he's gay. But the, I like the, I think the art, I like the art. I think the art worked in this story. Like you said, it, it is golden age-ish. So I think it works. And I'm just hoping that they tell Alan Scott stories that are not, that that's not all they have to say about Alan Scott.
0: yeah So for me, the Batwoman one, not really for me. Batwoman's sort of trippy side has never really appealed to me in terms of when those stories are told using that sort of, uh, that sort of uh, dr- window dressing. It, it's always paired with a, an art style that I don't quite hate, but don't quite like either. Um, so I feel like the same thing is said here, although I thought what it was saying about the opposite side of the mirror was an interesting way to put things into perspective so that you could say if you weren't of uh, 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 of the uh, LGBTQIA community, that you could maybe in a way understand where a character like that is coming from. So that was interesting, kind of putting it in that context of the opposite side of the mirror Uh, and kind of interesting kind of saying that the, you know, I grew up thinking that the, that opposite means bad essentially. And that's not, that's not the case. Um, Again, the constant thing thing, I don't really care about those characters. So I kind of, I'll be honest, even when I actually tried to read that story, I glossed over it. Uh, there is a uh, Brittany Williams um, one-page spread of uh, Joe, Lantern Joe Mullen. So that was cool looking. I uh, feel like they captured the design pretty well. Obviously, this is done in this particular artist's style. So uh, if it's not a style that you particularly like, that's that's okay. But I thought it was a really cool representation of Joe. I think maybe my favorite story in this issue was the Try the Girl story uh, by Vita uh, Ayella and Skylar uh patridge uh that's the, the the renee montoya question story i really liked the art i liked the characterization of renee which seems pretty consistent with how i've seen her portrayed elsewhere i have no problem if this became an interest uh, uh, an ongoing series uh, i know renee i th- you know obviously i don't pay attention to every dc book but i'm pretty sure renee was most recently most consistently active in the lowest lane 12 issue maxi series uh, that was coming out maybe a year ago or something like that. I do like how at the end of it it said, you know, just the beginning, as if the story will, as if the story will continue elsewhere, uh, which is great for me. I I would really love to see this, especially by this creative team. I thought it was, I thought it was a really cool story. Um, I don't know how you felt about it. I, 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 are
1: you that interested in the question, either Vic Sage or Renee? Not overly. I have, you know, very. Tenuous ties to either version of the character. Story was okay. Like I said, the they not you lose brownie points for the lack of subtleness on some point with the humor and things when she was fighting and everything. The overall story that they were telling, I was fine with. So um, that was kind of like the middle of the road for me uh, mm-hmm. of the stories in this book.
0: Uh, yeah, the, the uh, then there's the Harley Ivy one, which I thought kind of fit the zaniness of Harley and 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 stuff like that. So that was totally fine. Um, Then there was the future flash uh, and aqua one story, which is the justice league that we saw in future state. Yes. Um, This is the, they, them pronouns flash. um, And, you know, kind of like they, the two have a date set up and, you know, they were following the whole flashes are notoriously late thing. thought that was kind of a cute little thing to do. It did do one thing I don't like in, in anthology things where it's meant to be like a really short thing. It introduced and, And uh, kind of took care of a new villain relatively quickly, which I don't like when that happens, because basically this Flash gets their own Mirror Master, which Mirror Master is supposed to be one of the iconic villains for for Flash in terms of of, uh, their rogues gallery. So having a new Mirror Master shouldn't be that light of a thing. And yet they're introduced and then taken out within a page. Um, So it doesn't really... On the one hand, it's like, okay, they're fighting somebody that's worth them being late to their date. But at the same time, you know, this is this is freaking Mirror Master. Can we show some respect here, please? My God. (laughs) But whatever. It's just sometimes it's a necessity of storytelling, I guess. But I just I don't like it when when a, a new character that's supposed to be something is introduced and, and then quickly dispatched just for the sake of, Oh, we got to have them fight somebody in this story. The Pied Piper one made me just want a Pied Piper and Green Arrow team up since this is totally some kind of shit. Green Arrow would do. Hmm. Uh, the dreamer one was interesting. Cause I am a fan of dream girl. She's one of my favorite legions, uh, legionnaires. And just for the record guys, uh, Dream girl of the Legion of Superheroes in the 31st century. That is the and uh, is the descendant of Dreamer, uh, as we see in the Supergirl TV show. So uh, that's why I've always been curious about Dreamer. This is uh, if you got this issue, this is her first uh, appearance in comics. So congrats, you guys own a first appearance. Um, w- what really bugged me was this caption on page two when she lands on the roof and says, "Oh, what in the gay hell?" Um, I don't know what that was about because she's going up against the league of shadows and they're talking about, you know, uh, a diseased and unsalvageable culture, but they don't really say anything about like, it's, uh, people of different ethnicity or a different sexuality or different religious beliefs that are causing this diseased bunch of humanity that they're setting out to thing. So what, is this a phrase that gay people use that I'm just not aware of? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's shorthand and lingo that happen in in various social circles and stuff that I'm just not privy to. But it just felt really weird and super on the nose for her to land on the roof here and just say in her own inner monologue, oh, what in the gay hell? I don't know. I don't know what that meant, but it struck me as very odd. Uh, and then, of course, you said you have the, the Aqualad story which was cool. It Honestly, that the Aqualad story, as cool as it was on its own merits, it just made me think, why didn't we get more Eclipso in Blackest Night?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's a good point, too.
0: But that's really all I had. I, I thought it was a good issue overall. I mean, it's, uh, I, I thought there was enough content in here that I didn't feel like I was cheated out of the $10 I spent on it, you know?
1: Yeah, that is true. It is a, it is not exactly a cheap book, which is unfortunately, the, as we know, it, it is a growing trend that books that are, books that are sized like this you know, almost like your, uh, your graphic novel size, uh, not for your know, full graphic novel, but you like your oversized pseudo graphic novel backing, hardback and not hard backing, but square backing, things like that. That so Those things are going to end up costing you know, like 10 bucks all the time. So that's not cool. That's not, that's not a, that's one of the things that I realized. I mean, I, I, I wasn't 100% committing to getting the issue, but it, like I said, it was there and I knew we were going to be talking about the story. So it's like, Oh, let me get it. And then it's like, as i'm ringing up it's like oh yeah that's right this book is uh, that expensive isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Woo! yeah uh, in researching it while
0: you well well you were finishing your your thoughts on it apparently it's a sh- uh, apparently the what in the gay hell is a reference of something i don't know i did i just did a basic google search while while we were talking there but yeah it it's a, i don't know what the reference is but it, is it okay to make a reference that not everybody gets i guess sure but when it, sh- it just it struck such a weird chord, I just didn't know what the hell it was all about. I don't know if it's a reference to. I'm not gonna bother digging in that far. Like I said, I'm just doing a surface Google, but I don't know. It just struck a weird chord with me, and it, at least enough that I made a note of it. Into the uh, the bag and board, this issue goes.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: All right. What is next on the rocket docket?
1: Well, if you want, we can we can talk about uh, the Shang Chi trailer ever so quickly
0: i'm assuming the last couple of seconds is what you want to focus in on
1: just general thoughts i mean clearly i think this was a much better trailer than the first trailer as oh yeah as, yeah i mean i, I mean this at first i mean the first shang chi trailer wasn't like the eternals trailer in which there was which we never really talked about but essentially nothing a consequence happens other than a few lines and hey let's reference iron man and captain america because we know that, you know people still care about that even though it's not the MCU anymore, but that's what people care about. This, the first Shang Chi trailer, we, we, you know, we discuss, I think we discussed, it was, it was entertaining, but it wasn't, it didn't pump, pump you up. I think if you were neutral going in, or or, or you were skeptical, I don't think it was going to sell you. The second trailer, I think could, I mean, you get more of an idea what the ten rings are going to be. They're not going to be like Green Lantern rings on your fingers. They're going to be more like, almost like, more like, kind of like bracelet kind of things. That's seemingly where they're going with this. Uh, you get, you do get more understanding of the power, the power that they have, and the relationship between the Mandarin and Shang Chi. And yes, of course, the, the ending is cool with the with the suit, with the fight club scene between Wong and the Abomination, looking more like the real Abomination. Obviously, he's he he's done some evolving since since you know devolving depending on one's perspective since we last saw him at, at the end of The Incredible Hulk. So that's which is really interesting from a context perspective because a lot of people have implied that this movie takes place in the 5 years between Infinity War and Endgame because I don't know I don't know if we got the definitive answer whether the Wong actually lived or died I kind of thought Wong survived uh, Infinity War, but we would never know because we didn't see him. The, but the reality is I, there were speculation that this movie was going to take place between and maybe that would make maybe that would in a way would make sense. Why some like the, a fight club like that maybe would put have some kind of context to it or why these characters and how that would work. It seems odd. But again, we don't know. We don't know why and how the, that thing exists. But it, that that is one of the more intriguing parts of the trailer, even though it probably will be mean nothing. If how much time, you know, it gets uh, screen time, it gets and relevance in the movie, it probably means nothing.
0: Yeah, the Ten Rings seem like a super powerful kind of artifact to to be around on Earth. So I'm really curious about how, you know, we haven't heard of this before either, referenced in Agents of Shield or you know something like that. Obviously, you can't prep for everything the MCU eventually is going to do down the line, and lay breadcrumbs for everything. Um, but I hope they explain it in such a way that, you know. It makes sense that something so powerful exists uh, without, you know, uh, we're just now finding out about it, uh, about it's kind of a thing. Um, I get this weird sense that it might tie into the Eternals in some way. Um, That's neither that's not based on really anything at all other than. You know, the the new movies in the MCU are going to have to build on something of their own in terms of tying them together into something while also building off of what already came. But there's got to be something strong within these new MCU films that tie them together. Um, So I'm wondering if The Eternals might be that touchpoint, although since it's such an unfounded property, I don't know that it makes sense to hedge your bets on that one. But that's the only thing I'm thinking of there I'm um, there's a lot of sci-fi here uh, in terms of you know magic and and things like that that interests me it makes me a little bit worried that we're not going to see as much kung fu as i thought we were but i don't know i there's there's the part of me that wants to see sort of like classic 70s era kung fu film the fight choreography that's sort of raw and down and dirty you know no special effects just you know real training and real professionals going at it on screen and and, in a really impressive way. But at the same time, you know, it seems like they're going to overlay some really cool action sequences and, and and CGI on top of it. But I just hope that there's a good balance because I really was looking forward to seeing some raw kung fu in this. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that we still get that. And of course, yeah, the abomination thing was interesting. It kind of sucks that there's that we see both Wong and uh the abomination revealed here. Kind of those one of those like, why the hell, why would you show us that? Why not just save it Uh, sort of a thing? But, um, you know. It, it definitely it it definitely upped the ante, but I mean technically this is the first trailer and the first thing was a teaser. So, but comparing the two, yeah, this if you weren't interested in Shang Chi and the Ten uh, and the Legend of the Ten Rings before, go watch this trailer. And if you still aren't interested in it, you're probably not going to want to see it. But like it only served to to make me feel like oh, there's going to be a lot of shit in this movie to pay attention to. So.
1: Yeah, I mean this this it makes sense that they would they would up the ante uh, with the trailers because Black Widow is about to come out. And Shang Chi is September, so it's, it's only a couple of months away. It's still, it's still kind of surprising to me as we record this that we have that the Spider Man trailer still hasn't come out yet.
0: Oh yeah, some of the merchandise has already been revealed in terms yes, of Funko Pops.
1: Yes, uh, which, which again doesn't, it doesn't give away you know too too much, but again, I mean, it's enough for you know. Well, with that we won't talk. Let's, let's hold, I'll tell hold on hold off on talking about you know specifics that would technically could be some spoilers even though we would be not in context since we have no idea how how it's going to play into the movie at least until we get the trailer but it's still i mean it makes no sense why that trailer i mean it still could today's only tuesday it makes no sense why this trailer didn't that trailer if it doesn't drop before black widow you would think they'd want this trailer to be on black widow i know they're going to have yeah shang you know shang chi will be on it but that's that's another that's another plus they have in you. The only reason that the only reason they you wouldn't drop it is because it might take away some of the you know hype for Black Widow, which is probably why they should have already dropped it. Um, but it's still weird. Usually, when you have a big movie that that people are really interested in, and they're interested in the trailer, you'd, you'd want to put it on another one of your big movies because it's an extra bonus for it's less of a bonus as it used to be a few years ago because now you can always watch the trailer online even though sometimes they they hold the trailer for a day or two before they release it online but all you need is one person to you know to tape it to record it and boom there it goes and they almost have to release it like they did with the halloween kills trailer the halloween kills trailer i think wasn't supposed to come out until this to last week because it was going to be on the purge uh the forever purge but somebody somebody some idiot who really should be fired because they believe the rumor is, or the facts tend to indicate it was somebody from a theater who basically videotaped, I mean, quote unquote, used their phone to record the trailer. And then they put the bootleg copy out online and then universal had no choice, but to, well, we might as well put the real one on instead of having all this, this low quality, illegal version of this, getting all the hits. We might as well have everybody go see the actual high quality version. It's still, it's still odd that they wouldn't, you know, they know, I mean, I guess maybe, it's Sony's call more than Marvel to about when they released a trailer on this, but it's still odd that because you know there's so much hype for Sp- for Spider-Man, and you would think you'd want to start feeding that hype a little bit. Yes, it's it's not doesn't come out to December, but we're already in July, so a teaser trailer coming out now would make sense. So it's still it's still a little surprising to me that we haven't gotten it. We still could before the end of the week, but it's but it, it is getting closer, and yeah, the pops do make it. The pops are somewhat interesting with the, with the Spider-Man suits that we see. And what the hell Dr. Strange, Dr. Doc, Strange in, in, in the outfit that he's wearing and what he's holding. There must be a good story behind that that's relevant to the movie. But again, until we know the context of more what's going on in, in the movie, get me some confirmation about different things. It is a bit, uh, you know, it's it's curious. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, give
0: me all the trailers and give them show me back to back to back to back to back to back to back. I don't I don't care as long as I don't have to see that fucking Snake Eyes trailer again. Which is I've funny because I
1: cause I had just seen we went to go see whatever I forget which movie we went to go see that the first Snake Eyes trailer was on, and then literally the next then I think it went back and forth. It's like we saw the original Snake Eyes trailer, then they had the second trailer, which it's like the retconning everything about him, seemingly. And uh and then then I think last week when we saw uh conjuring which makes sense because conjuring has been out for like a month that we saw the original snake guys trail again yeah i don't i don't have much of an interest in that it doesn't mean i won't go see it because you know with with the regal crown club i mean the uh the unlimited plan thing that's only like 50 cents 50 cents if you get your ticket online or else if you get it you get it the day of at the kiosk it's it doesn't even cost you 50 cents it's i'll probably go see it probably because there'll be nothing better to see that week but i'm I'm much more excited to to see Escape Room, uh, Tournament of Champions next week than I am to go see uh, GI Joe Origins: Snake Eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that stupid trailer has been everywhere. Um, okay, sounds good. Anything else that we wanted to talk about?
1: No, I think we're we actually covered quite a bit in a relatively timely fashion. I thought.
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention this real quick, only only because I got tagged on Facebook during our episode and. I I was looking at it while I was doing my recap, but um, San Diego Comic-Con, obviously there's been a lot of rumors about what's coming out for the Funko Pops. Um, I just got tagged in a photo in the group. I'm a part of someone posted a, uh, a whole Funko posted a kind of like a lineup uh, photo of the, uh, of the top of the box images. Basically when you're looking at a Funko pop, the the print space above the the window where you see the pop logo and then the number of the pop in the line and then like a logo for the line that it's a part of they have taken six of those images of just the, that portion of the box and stack them on top of each other showing what some of the pops that are going to be out for san diego are going to be and one of them is a mcdonald's one samurai jack my hero academia tokidoki uh the suicide squad but also, one of these is pop number 398 and it is a Green Lantern logo. And if you guys are curious about what logo I'm talking about, if you if you guys have the Green Lantern Alan Scott pop, that that logo right there at the top of the box, that is the branding that is showing on on the pop that uh, that is supposed to be released for San Diego. Now, I don't remember the list that I gave when I was talking about rumored Green Lantern. Or Lantern-related pops. I do remember Atrocitus was supposed to be one of them, but I don't remember saying a specific Green Lantern was um, in terms of somebody in Green Lantern gear. Um, but apparently there's going to be a San Diego Green Lantern pop. And that is breaking news as of the time we're recording this. Let's
1: see what it is. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Joe.
0: I mean, that'd be cool to get that quick that kind of a turnaround on it.
1: Yeah, you have to think at this point that it's... Well, they could they could go in so many different directions, but unless they're going to do it... Unless it's going to be a you know a John... He was, uh, my instinct cries out they'll try to do something trendy, whether it's Teen Lantern, whether it's whether it's Joe, whether it's John. Um, that is what my instinct cries out. If it's going to be a straight up regular Green Lantern, but yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, which which I also have to tell the people, uh, it it is it, we are in the beginning of July, so uh, whatever happened to the once a quarter Hot Topic related Funko Pops that were supposed to be coming out Hot Topic exclusive Lantern related Funko Pops. So I said on Twitter, I said, well, tomorrow is June 31st. Obviously, I posted on June 30th. So much for those once a quarter Green Lantern related pops, a hot topic. Uh, And then I also tagged their representative HT Nerdette, Hot Topic Nerdette. I said, where's the White Lantern that was supposedly next? Well, I actually got a reply from uh, Hot Topic Nerdette who said plans have changed, but it'll be sooner rather than or it'll be sooner than later. So I wasn't expecting. I mean, obviously that's a, a a non-news sort of news bit, but I wasn't actually expecting a reply. Uh, but apparently there are still plans for more Hot Topic exclusive lantern pops. It's just apparently they're not meeting their original uh, once a quarter deadline that they po- imposed upon themselves. Which so is dis- that,
1: that which is, dis- is still coming. Yeah, which is disappointing that they did not. We had hoped that maybe at the end of June that they would have at least put out Atrocitus for. Pre-order, um, or at least announce they were putting, you know, when, when the pre-order date is going to be. But let's see how it all, let's see how it all plays out, but.
0: Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to talk about?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we've, think we've kind of hit all the, the major beats.
0: All right. If-
1: Lanterncast.com, the email is lanterncast at gmail.com. We are on i, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platforms you've listened to us on, please leave us a positive review. Twitter, Facebook, use hashtag GLCast to track us down there. Last but not least, text or leave us a voicemail at 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. That's right. Next week we're talking uh, Infinite Frontier. That is the plan. Yes.
0: All right, guys.
1: We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.